Welcome to the addendum, a thing added. On this podcast, Pastor Eric Williams will add to, clarify, and supplement the most recent teachings at Fellowship Renewed Church. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for joining me again on another episode of the Addendum Podcast. Happy to be with you today, and uh, I had a great day yesterday. I wanted to start off just by saying thank you. Thank you very much for uh, recognizing all three of the elders for pastor appreciation. That's um, very encouraging and much appreciated, so just wanted to say thank you very much, and uh, I appreciate all the all the comments and notes and and uh, things like that. So thank you very much. We had a, I would say, a somewhat difficult passage of Scripture yesterday, and it opened up several different areas for us to consider. And one of those was the church's involvement, we might say, or relationship to secular government. And I think that was very interesting. I received a lot of comments about that, how that was helpful in processing how exactly we should be thinking about uh, not only our personal interaction with or our family or our church, it's just it, it was kind of all-encompassing, just this idea that there are different spheres and institutions that God has set up, and within those different spheres, there are different um, operational guidelines, in a sense. We can maybe use that terminology. Ultimately, the idea is that there is an authority and submission issue within each of those, understanding that all authority and submission is underneath the authority of God, and so we submit to him ultimately, but he has set up the individual, the family, the church, and civil government, um, not that they don't interact with each other. Certainly they do, all instituted by God for people, for his glory. But it's it's the idea of the authority structure within each of those that God has established, right? And so we're ultimately accountable to God and to God alone. Yes, that's true. But within each sphere, there is also a set authority that God has established within that system, right? I think the, uh, using the church as an example, I think, is very helpful because it becomes very clear. So, for example, while you are a church member, I am a church member as well. Uh, I'm also an elder of the church. And so there is a different sense in which we all have our place, right? So there's a relationship standard. Uh, I submit to the other elders. The other elders submit to me. The church members then submit to the elders collectively, all of us submitting to God and uh, obeying insofar as uh, we do not command to go outside of what God has ordained. And so that has so many implications, and I I hope all that uh, communicated yesterday. Uh, I want to recommend again um, Joe Boot from the Ezra Institute. Uh, If you can go and and look, there's uh, YouTube videos that you can find specifically by him. If you want to go and check those things out, I would just highly recommend it. It's it's very good, productive, helpful uh, for us. Uh, Very good for us to consider those things. But 
As far as today is concerned and where I wanted to take our emphasis uh, for the day, comes down to verse 7 of our text from yesterday. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 7. I'll go ahead and read 8 as well. We took those together yesterday. So let's, let's look at 7 and 8 together. It says, To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? But you yourselves wrong and defraud, even your own brothers. Okay. So, as I said, to have disputes between us, that's, we understand that. That's one thing. But it's about our heart and our mindset and the process um, that we go through to resolve these things should be done in the way that God has ordained, that God has set up. But underneath this, there needs to be a willingness. There needs to be a heart of submission. There needs to be a mind that is giving itself over to the Word of God, under the submission of God, that you might have the mind of Christ in you. And if you truly have the mind of Christ, then you're going to be doing things the way Christ would have you do them. You're going to be having judgments the same as the judge, who is Christ himself. Okay, so he says, why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? Why not rather endure loss of what is yours and hold back demand for what is owed to you? This is, I believe, while uh, there there are, are difficult mental things to grasp regarding uh, our interaction with civil government, I think this issue right here is a difficult concept for our hearts to grasp. And so I I had several passages here yesterday that I did not go into much detail on. And so I'd like to read a couple of those for you today. And there are four of them. And I'd like to start with 1 Corinthians 4 verses 11 through 13. All right. I believe I did read this one yesterday and I didn't get to the others. But it says, 1 Corinthians 4, 11 through 13. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed, buffeted, and homeless. We labor, working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When per- persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and still are like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. And the reason this has relevance to what we're talking about is because we're thinking about what is owed to us. That That's why we're considering this. What When we think about it, I mean, really, what what is owed to us? What do we deserve? And when we think about Paul's words here, um, being hungry, thirsty, poorly dressed, beaten, homeless, uh, working with their own hands, reviled, and being ones who bless, persecuted, being ones who endure, slandered, being ones who entreat, and are the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. So what do you deserve? If, if, if that is the reality, then what is it that we are owed? Are we, are we owed, in a sense, to not be hungry and thirsty? Are we owed to not be poorly dressed, to be beaten and homeless? 
are we owed by other people, by God, by who? I don't know. Who, who owes us exactly the fact that we should be rich and that we should have homes, nicely dressed, we should never be hungry, we should never be thirsty? Uh, just consider those things. Three more passages on this. 1 Peter 3, 8 and 9. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, and a tender heart and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil, reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you might obtain a blessing. How does this fit in with that idea of something being owed to you? Because you might think that if someone does evil to you, that you repay evil for evil because you gave something to me that wasn't owed to me, and so we need to settle the score, right? Um, or maybe I, you could think of it this way, maybe I thought I was owed good, but you gave me evil, and so you didn't give me what I was owed. And so since you didn't give me what I was owed, I'm going to demand from you that you don't give me evil, but that you give me good instead. And so I'm going to repay evil in order that good might come and that things might be settled properly. Okay, same thing with reviling for reviling. So he says, on the contrary, we bless for to this we were called. So even though we may receive certain things, it's all a matter of us thinking about what we think we are owed by other people, by this world, by God himself, and how we respond when we don't receive what we think we are owed. Okay, so another one then. Romans 12, 14 through 21. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. And never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if he's thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So, a lot to take in there. Maybe let's focus on just the fact that Paul is saying, never avenge yourself. Leave it to the wrath of God. You know, maybe the right thing didn't come your way. Um, okay, I understand that. The issue is when your heart is not settled in what you think is owed to you, but then also how you're to go about making things right. How do you, how do you respond? What do you do? Well, we might react by saying, I'm going to avenge myself. But Paul specifically says, don't avenge yourself. Leave it to the wrath of God, because God himself has said, vengeance is mine. I will repay so don't be overcome by evil, but instead overcome evil with good. So always do good. Always do good, regardless of what has been done to you. Rather than saying, pay what you owe and demanding that things be paid to you. And why? Because you want to settle things. You want things to be made right. You want justice to be done, what you believe to be justice. Okay, one last one. This is Luke 
chapter 6, verses 27 through 36. But I say to you, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. From the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, so do to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. So the result of all this then, verse 36. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. So there there it is. That's, That's the whole idea right there. Look at verse 30. Give to everyone who begs from you and from the one who takes away your goods. Do not demand them back. This is the heart of the issue. This is exactly what Paul was getting to in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It's this demand for you to have what you believe is owed to you. Whether whether it is rightly owed to you or not is not even the point, and I hope that everyone sees that. It's not that you lent or I lent to you and you owe me that money back. I gave you $50. You're to give me that $50 back. It wasn't a gift I gave to you. I gave it to you on a loan. And so you are to pay it back. And if you don't pay it back, I'm going to demand that you pay it back. I'm going to demand it that you pay me what you owe. So in that situation, Paul is saying, listen, love your enemies, do good and lend expecting nothing in return. Is that a principle that we still live by today? Why expect nothing in return? I don't understand. Shouldn't we hold others accountable for doing what is right? Well, you know, that is also true. The heart of the issue right here, it's, it's, it's about your heart, and it's about how we're processing what we're doing and how we're interacting with other people. You also owe them to love them. We can't ever escape that reality. Whether someone owes you money or something else, whatever it is they owe you, what if they owe you love and they're not giving you the love that is owed to you? Do you demand that someone give you what you are owed? You owe me love. Give it to me now. You know that that doesn't uh, make sense even thinking about it that way, right? So how are we to process this? You love your enemies and you do good to them. You do good to everyone and you lend, you expect nothing in return and your reward will be great for that. You'll be sons of the most high. How will you be sons of the most high? Are we not already sons of the most high? He's saying that you will properly be associating with those who are the sons of the most high. You will be acting like your father as a son when you act like him for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. So you too, then as a son of God, act like the son of God. 
he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. So you be un so you be kind to the ungrateful and the evil. So be merciful, even as your father is merciful. Mercy is that's it. That's the point. Mercy is the point. We are to be a merciful people because we have received great mercy. And whether someone actually owes something to you or not, it is not in our heart, it is not our intention to go then and demand that someone give that to us. But instead, we are to be kind, we are to be merciful, we are to be grateful from the heart. God is like this, and it is our desire, and I hope you agree with me, that we would be sons of the Most High, that we would be like Him, that we would be loving like Him, that we would be gracious like Him, that we would be merciful like Him. Thank you for joining us on the Addendum Podcast. For more information about Fellowship Renewed Church, visit frcsparta.com. Please join us for next week's episode.